Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is the ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Good morning, or good evening, whenever you're listening to this. I don't know, but you know, and uh, we're glad that you're here. Today we'll be starting the story of Obadiah Holmes, who was a Baptist in colonial America and who was persecuted for his faith in the colony of Massachusetts in the year of 1651. It's well documented that he, along with many others, suffered for Christ in early America. Yes, that's true. So, uh, we're often taught in history that people came to America in order to be free to worship as they thought was right. And uh, that is true, except what most people don't know and don't understand is that there was an established religion for each individual colony. Okay, for instance, the story that we're talking about takes place in Massachusetts, where the Puritans, or Congregationalists, settled under Governor John Winthrop. Virginia was settled by the Anglicans, or the Church of England, and Maryland is where the Catholics settled, and so on and so forth. Right. So, in England, the established religion was the Church of England, and they severely persecuted anyone who disagreed with their theology. William Laud became the Archbishop of Canterbury, which was the religious head of the Church of England in 1633. Among his accomplishments was the Book of Common Prayers, which you can guess what that was. Yeah, sounds Catholic to me. I concur. Anyway, he also burned and killed Baptists and other dissidents like the Puritans who tried to purify the Church of England. So, for that reason, many Puritans wanted to go to America to enjoy religious freedom. And they did in uh, 1630. But once they got there, 
they established the Congregational Church as the standing church, meaning that no one else was allowed religious freedom. What happened is they established religious freedom for themselves, but not for anyone else. And if you dared to... Right, exactly. If you dared to disagree with them, you would suffer various forms of persecution, which is uh, how we come to the story that we'll be telling over the next two weeks. Exactly. Not long after they had come to America, the Standing Council, which included the governor, issued an order on May 30th of 1636 to the constable of Salem to warn the inhabitants that they were not allowed to meet together in their homes for unauthorized church meetings. They were only allowed to attend the congregational church and hear the preaching of their ministers. So, with all of that in mind, we'll begin the story of Obadiah Holmes. He was born in Preston, Lancashire, England, around 1606. Obadiah became very rebellious and began to live wickedly as a young man. He didn't care about anything or anyone except for himself. But, as God often does, he used two separate events in Obadiah Holmes' young life to get his attention. Obadiah, what do you want? Son, your mother doesn't feel well. She's worse today. She asked to see you. I'll talk to her later. I have things to do now. But son, you should go now. She's been getting worse each day. Yes, Father, I know. I will tomorrow. Obadiah's father was right. His mother was getting worse. And sometime after that, she passed away. God used her illness and ensuing death to begin to settle Obadiah down. Father, I truly regret the way I treated mother and you. Please forgive me. About this time, the second event happened that God would use in Obadiah's life uh, in order to settle him down, and that was when he met a young lady named Catherine Hyde. Obadiah, I have seen quite a change in your behavior and attitude since your mother died. My father didn't want me to see you, but he has noticed also. I realized that the way I conducted myself towards my parents and everyone else was wrong. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like something is gnawing at me from the inside. As the Holy Spirit continued his work on Obadiah, he and Catherine were married on November 20th of 1630 at the Anglican Church in Manchester, England. A few years later, Obadiah yielded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and experienced a spiritual awakening. In other words, he was born again as a young adult around the age of 23. He joined with the Puritans, who were being persecuted greatly at that time by the Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Church of England. 
Catherine. Yes, dear? You know we've been hearing a lot about the colony at Massachusetts Bay. They experienced freedom to practice our religion. What are you saying, Obadiah? Many of our Puritan brethren are being imprisoned, banished, and even burned. Yes, it's frightening. I worry for the children and your safety. I think that it is possible the Lord wants us to settle in America, where we will never be persecuted by so-called Christians again. Very well. Let us pray about it. Obadiah Holmes and his family relocated to the American colonies around 1638. They settled in Salem, Massachusetts. From there, Obadiah moved his family to Rehoboth, Massachusetts. He continued attending the Church of the Standing Order, but God had begun working on his heart about infant baptism and the baptism of unbelievers. Brother Holmes had gotten into a few disagreements with the Standing Church, even being falsely accused by his own congregational pastor, Samuel Newman, of taking a false oath in court. Nearly a hundred years before the Separatists began their break from the Standing Order, Obadiah Holmes established a separate congregational church in Seekonk around 1648. Catherine, I don't believe that I can continue like this. I think we should establish a separate congregational church. I'm tired of the false accusations and the judgment of an unjust man like Pastor Newman. I agree, but you must think about what will happen to you. We may even be banished. I know, but we can't continue in error. If we even are in error, I just don't know. The question of baptism keeps coming up in my mind. What do you mean, the question of baptism? Well, just because someone has been baptized, does that make them a believer? And how can a baby be a believer? Everything that we hear at church about baptism does not seem to be according to Scripture. And not one defender of infant baptism can contend with the Scriptures. We need to pray. Yes, let's pray for guidance and strength. Dear Lord, we thank you for all we have been blessed with. We have been here in America these 10 years and know that you have brought us to this place. We pray now for you to show us truth. We love you and want to walk in the spirit and truth rather than to walk in error. Somehow, Lord, we pray that you will send the answer we seek. Give us understanding and strengthen to follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Catherine was right. Establishing a separate church definitely enraged the standing order. They called him a rogue and rascal, and his persecution was coming. But 
so were the answers that he was desperately searching for, which we will get into in a minute. But first, we must describe the legislation against dissenters at that time. A couple of years before, on November 13th of 1644, the General Court of Massachusetts wrote a law ordering banishment of the Baptists. For as much as experience has plentifully and often proved that since the first arising of the Anabaptists, about a hundred years since, they have been the incendiaries of the commonwealths and the infectors of persons in the main matters of religion and the troubles of the churches in all places where they have been. It is ordered and agreed that if any person or persons within the jurisdiction shall either openly condemn or oppose the baptizing of infants or authority to punish the outward breaches of the first table shall be sentenced to banishment. Also, in the year 1644, a man named Thomas Painter refused to allow his baby to be christened. He was arrested and hauled before the Court of Deputies at Boston. Thomas, you know it's time to take the baby to be christened. It's required by the authorities. I am convinced that infant baptism is contrary to God's word. I know, but it is an ordinance of the standing church. I am aware of that, but it is against my conscience. I don't believe it is right that they have the authority of God to dictate matters in my home. I won't allow our baby to be baptized until the child is old enough to make a decision according to Scripture. They led Brother Thomas Painter to the whipping post, where he received 20 lashes without flinching, claiming he had had divine help to support him. All this and more persecution was taking place in America shortly before Obadiah Holmes established a separate church. As we mentioned, Obadiah was struggling greatly with the subject of baptism, as when Cornelius in Acts 10 was searching for truth God sent Peter, so again God sent a faithful man to help Obadiah see the truth. Dr. John Clark came to Rehoboth and Seekonk to preach in early 1649. He brought with him some soul-conscious Christians from the Baptist Church in Newport, Rhode Island, where John Clark was the pastor. Obadiah Holmes was ready for the truth from the Bible concerning believers' baptism. He received assurance of his salvation under the preaching of John Clark and then was baptized by him in 1649. Dr. Clark, I am so thankful the Lord sent you and these kind folks to this place to minister nourishment for the increase of God. The Lord is good, my brother. He's given increase on this trip. Yes, sir. I just wanted you to know that I've been praying for answers from God, and today God used your preaching to open my eyes. The scripture will do that. Psalms 119, 
Verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Amen. I have been struggling with the issue of baptism, and now I see clearly. The scripture says that water baptism is simply a picture of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is true. The circumcision of a child at eight days old in no way is a pattern as a covenant and has nothing whatsoever to do with baptism. How long have you and the church at Newport been there? We have been there since early 1638. I came to Boston from England in November of 1637. I was bitterly disappointed with the strife in the New World. I found that men were not able to bear each with the other in their different understandings and consciences as in these utmost parts of the world to live peaceably together. Because the government at Boston was every bit as repressive and intolerant as the government that he had just left in England, Dr. Clark proposed to a number of citizens who were facing imminent persecution to withdraw and begin a new colony where they could experience true religious freedom. On March 24th of 1638, they bought land from the Indians with the help of the communication skills of Roger Williams. The name of the place was Newport, Rhode Island. He led a group of 18 families to this new promised land. And there, on the northern neck of this beautiful little place, out of the jurisdiction of the Puritans and Pilgrims, was signed the first governmental document protecting religious opinion. It was called the Portsmouth Compact, and it was signed on March 7th of 1638. We whose names are underwritten do here solemnly, in the presence of Jehovah, incorporate ourselves into a body politic, and as he shall help, will submit our persons lives and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws of his given us in his holy word of truth to be guided and judged thereby. Here, here. here for the first time in our American history, liberty of conscience was most sacredly guarded. The magistrate would only be allowed to punish breaches of the law that pertained to civil disturbance. They gathered the very first Baptist church in America there in early 1638, and Dr. John Clark was their pastor. So, still under the Puritan jurisdiction at Rehoboth and Seekonk, Obadiah Holmes' accusers ramped up their charges in June of 1650. After the Baptist missionary trip there, when Obadiah Holmes was baptized, he began teaching the folks in his separate church the truth from God's Word. In June of 1650, a petition was presented to the Plymouth Court accusing Obadiah of setting up an irregular church meeting. All such schismatical activity should cease and desist, and neither ordain officers 
nor to baptize, nor break bread, nor yet to meet upon the first day of the week. The pressure mounted for three men specifically, Obadiah Holmes, Joseph Torrey, and William Carpenter. In the end, Mr. Carpenter backed down, but the other two men, by God's grace, stood firm. So, when the church at Rehoboth continued to meet on the Lord's Day, Obadiah Holmes and nine others were charged on October 2nd of 1650 with, quote, continuing a meeting contrary to the order of the court. With the persecution looming, these saints of God did not stay in Rehoboth. They found solace and open arms waiting for them with their new Baptist brothers in Newport, Rhode Island. Brother Holmes, it is so good to see you and the saints of Rehoboth. It is so good to see you, brother. But now we are the saints of Newport. Boston has been pressuring the authorities at Plymouth to suppress the believers, so we trust that some better thing has been provided for us here. We are thankful for the Lord bringing you safely to us. We will help find places for you all to stay until we can get homes built for you. The Plymouth Ten, as Obadiah Holmes and the members of the church from Rehoboth were now being called, were very thankful for the peace that they found at Newport, Rhode Island. For the first time, they enjoyed what we've had the blessing of knowing for our entire lives, freedom of worship and liberty of conscience. And they grew spiritually under the preaching of Pastor John Clark, and it became the burden of the entire Newport church to take the gospel to each of the colonies. The Bible says in Romans 10:14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Amen. And how shall they believe in him of right. whom they have not heard? Right. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Many say they believe in him, but rather they trust in the baptism of their church. They must hear oh. the truth from God's holy word. Right. They are trusting a false balance, which is an abomination unto the Lord. The colonies need to hear. The colonies need a preacher of the gospel. It is reported that in Boston we are called the sewer of New England, but they do not realize their righteousness is not clean to God. The Bible says, Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Amen. All right, Kim. This is the part. I'm going to do it. Thank you. You you don't have to do it. I'm going to do it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's about time. It is. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, but uh, this is where we're going to have to stop the story for this week. Things are looking much better for Obadiah Holmes and the Baptists of Newport. But next week, we'll be continuing his story and telling about how the persecution of Obadiah came about. Right. So until next week, we want to thank you for listening, and we would like to leave you with a verse of Scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6